welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. Practitioner Radio, episode 25, a quarter of 100, 25%, one-fourth, a million ways to say it. Recording on Friday the 13th for the week ending April 20th, Communication and Awareness Planning. Hey, it's Chris Dancy, and I'm here with Mr. Troy Dumoulin. Great episode last, uh, episode 24, um, and we were fortunate enough, Troy, you and I, to have planned and said, well, let, let's look at the, and get the, today's ready. So we actually, today was one of those things I said, could we talk about this? And, and like every other topic you had. I know, like we're being proactive at this. We shouldn't, talk, don't talk like that. <laughs> but you had, I was like, can we talk about, you know, awareness and, and communication, all this other kind of stuff? And I thought, you know, we'll see what he says. And you already had a bunch of stuff. I mean, you are like the Encyclopedia Britannica that hasn't gone out of print. Or the, uh, one of, you know, the, uh, of course, I'm a Douglas Adams fan and you have the, uh, What's that book that he writes, of course? Uh, Hitchhikers? Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, of course. And uh, I think that's a better better volume right there. And it's cheaper. Yeah. Strangely enough, uh, someone gave me that as a gift as an audiobook, and it's in my iTunes. And I'll put my iTunes on random, and it'll go from some you know catchy little jazz tune to Douglas Adams reading, and some days it really throws me off. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Douglas Adams always throws you off anyway. Yeah, it's just like, oh, well, it's not, that's not music. What could be? Uh, communication and awareness. So my ideas around this were we wanted to really focus on how do we look outward to the organization, outward to our customers, outward, just outward. And and when we do, because everyone talks about looking outside in, inside out, upside down, when we do do those things, what are some of the ways that we create these communications and awareness plans? And, and one of the biggest points I think we want to start with is something that you and I both know that David talks about and kind of get us in the in the groove for Friday the 13th. And that's is there a difference between education and training? Is there a difference between certification and credentialing? Is there a difference? You know, you can make a million different scenarios out of this. Well, absolutely. And actually, I was just having this conversation uh, with a client in Regina yesterday. So it's uh, kind of deja vu all over again. Is it the same client that keeps tweeting to you? Yeah, it's kind of shout out to Scott there. <laughs> hey, Scotty. <laughs> I think it's pretty cool because he keeps mentioning. I actually, that's how I find people to follow. So I've, I've, he tweeted to you and then I looked at his stream. And I'm like, oh, this guy's, he's kind of an interesting story to tell. So yeah, I started following him. It's Coop Scotty or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, Co-op Scotty. That's it. Okay. So communication and awareness or oh, communication versus training. Education versus training. Yeah. Education versus training. So there is a difference. And, you know, we've talked about culture a couple of times and we actually had a whole session on that. We get a link to, I suppose. But the, the key is that education, why, you know, what is the difference between education and training? And I, I like to tell people that education is more about management of change or the people change strategy, the behavioral change side of it. Because when you go to a class, uh, when you go to university, when you go to high school, really nothing about those things teaches you how to do the job that you're doing right now. You know, it teaches you to think, teaches you to have a certain thinking process, gives you some background context, but it's not training for your specific job. It didn't train me to be the lead of, you know, the Pink's delivery team, but it gave me a lot of background and context I could pull from. And it, it gave me a way of thinking. That's So education, whether that's you know, formal education at a higher ed level or it's an ITIL certification class, it gives people 
a common lexicon, a common language, a common frame of reference they can now dialogue around. Right? Until you had a common education, your frames of reference, your filters, everything was different because you didn't even speak the same language, let alone um, share the same problem statements. So that's education. Yeah, and I guess you could go back you know, real far and, and talk about you know, ancient Indians and, and, and people who would share stories, and that was their form of educating their tribe, and those stories really just gave them a common place to start from. It made them who they were, it gave them mm. context, it gave them filters by which they interpreted what they heard, right? right? And that's why we need to do education, ITIL awareness and education as part of an ITSM program, because until they go through that, people are at totally different places with where they think the challenges are or what the opportunities for improvement are. So you have to have a shared common frame of reference before you can work productively. That's education, right? right? Training, on the other hand, is about, I now need to do my job taking that context and specifically applying it to what do I do today? How do I, how do I accomplish a task? And what is my specific job responsibility? So I can go to an education course and learn about being a change manager, but until I know what that means in my organization and how I'm going to run my cab meetings and how I'm going to work and interface with other people at my organization, I, I that's not training. How I use the tool and how it's configured in my organization is 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 part of that training, mm-hmm. right? So when we think about training and education in an ITSM program, we think about education to prepare the way, to set the framework, to give people a common platform of thinking. They do that before they work on a collaborative design for their process and configuration for their tool. But then it's time to go live, deploy that process, right? But before you do it, you got to train people how to do it. So right. this is where we have the training workshops we've developed, which is now your organization's adaptation of both the process and the tool. You do that for maybe, I don't know, an hour in, in a morning session. And then you're doing two hours of tool-based, use case, scenario-based tool training. And you literally come out of that workshop and you start using the new process and the new tool as you exit. That's training. Education versus training. So that ties back into the communication and awareness uh, topic for today because it's really difficult, I guess, or maybe impossible to have effective communication and awareness without some baseline of training and education. Well, they have to come together. So perhaps we should say it's always a... um, You you have an education and training plan, but we mean two different things by that, Mm. right? Communication and awareness is more along the lines of education. We're educating people about what's coming down the pipe, right? Mm. We're letting them know what the future looks like Mm. and giving them a frame of reference to deal with that future when it gets here. Mm. Um, And, you know, there's there's that famous quote, you you can never communicate and educate enough when you think you've done enough, do it 10 more times because, you know, people need that concept of, continually reinforcing the messaging you're trying to do. Yeah, and that and the, uh, that famous bumper sticker, if you think education is expensive, you should try ignorance. <laughs> yeah, I can see why. Because, you know, <laughs> this is Tower of Babel all over again, right? We have right. to have that common frame of reference. So what are some ways that you can get this messaging out? I mean, is, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I've seen it done a bunch of ways. <laughs> Some pretty scary and some not so scary, I guess, which touches on that culture topic. Well, ways is ways plural is, is the actual ac- accurate statement here. Because mm-hmm. just like in the culture, you can't assume that one management of change or cultural plan will, or one plan will hit everyone you know, equally. You can't af- afford to assume that one communication approach 
mm. will hit everyone and be effective, right? So the first thing you you got to know is what are or who are the stakeholders and what are their current beliefs relative to what you plan to do and want to communicate to them, right? You have to understand the current state, almost kind of a current stakeholder assessment. We got this group over here and they have this this view and belief. We have this group over here, they hold to this very passionately. So you've got to get a stake in the ground about, you know, where are my key stakeholders? Who among those key stakeholders are principal change agents? And if I, you know, communicate to those folks, they will be effective in communicating back to their team. So wait a minute. So you're saying I actually have to take time to understand the different groups and how they respond to messaging. I just can't send an email to everybody in the company. That's a straight and honest answer. But yeah, that's what we typically do. Let's just throw that email together. Now, 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 wouldn't 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 the the critics in the crowd or the skeptics or I don't know what to call them the naysayers? I call them fans. Um, <laughs> wouldn't they say we don't have that type of time and money to do that? And then you would say it's you don't have that time and money not to. Well, everyone agrees that it's a people change process. I mean, that's just becoming more and more difficult to deny. Mm. You know, when we think about management of change around transformation for service management, we all say yes, it's about culture, behavior, and attitude. Mm. And but then we go off and get busy on the process and the tool. We've you know, we've talked about that before. Yeah, we give lip service to the fact that people are the most important thing, but then we find somebody who you know whose primary skill is availability, <laughs> as opposed to who's skilled at communicating. Say, we'll give you the uh, the communication plan. And of course, what's the first thing to get cut as soon as anything becomes stressed? Yeah, the communication plan. We give lip service to the people change but very rarely actually put the true effort we need to into it. So, you know, we've come up with a few ways of thinking about this. Um, like we've come up with a process that we walk most of our customers through trying to help them come up with this. Ooh, are you going to give us some, some some of the goods? Yeah, why not? All right, uh, it is practitioner radio. <laughs> it is practitioner radio. And, I, and of course, I have been guilty to say that everything in life is the product of a process, right? You've got yes. a goal, you have input, you have activity, and you get something out the other end. Yes. Hopefully a communicated and aware organization. So let's start with this process, and we'll put it in the notes. Okay, step one. Where do I want to be? Sound familiar? Mm -hmm. Right? You have to vision what tomorrow looks like. What are the values, the beliefs, the knowledge elements that you want people to actually understand and actually agree with, or at least understand, if not agree? Mm. So you've got to literally say, what does tomorrow look like from various perspectives? how we're going to act, how we're going to behave, what the tools look like, what the organization structure, whatever the focus of your change is, you've got to clearly articulate a vision for tomorrow. Because if you don't know, how in the world are you expecting to communicate that to others, right? And, you know, I think vision is one of those things in, in trying to communicate that that some people either have problems with or they don't. So, you know, I, I often joke that, you know, when you can see the future and imagine things that aren't there, uh, there's a fine line between neurosis and psychosis. So, you know, I, I, envisioning tomorrow really is rooted in having a firm grasp and understanding your your situation today. Or, I mean, is there a way to actually 
get that, help people with that process? Sure. Uh, we do a vision and missioning workshop type of situation at the beginning of most programs. And the vision and the mission are different things. Yeah. I don't know, Chris, do you remember the days when you used to do the Guns of Navarone sessions? Is that before your time? <laughs> yes. No, 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 no. I know. <laughs> remember we talked about the vision? It's a great movie, right? right. Uh, the vision is we have these thousand ex-soldiers on this island, and they're about to be overrun by the Japanese Navy, right? Right. Or actually, no, it's the Germans. Sorry, German. Wrong movie. Well, it was still the Axis of... Axis, or, yes. Whatever they were, I can't remember. They, we lumped them together back then. <laughs> the Axis, and so the Germans are about to take this island and wipe out these soldiers. So that's the vision. Remove the soldiers before they get wiped out. That's the ultimate goal. Mm. But how are we going to do that? That was the mission. So the mission in the movie was we're going to put a team of specialists with different skills. We're going to land them secretively, you know, and they're going to uh, connect with the underground and they're going to take out the big guns on the island, which would stop the rescue mission, the the, the destroyers from coming in and pulling off the soldiers in time so that they would, of course, be saved. And this is what happens in the movie. Right. Don't want to give a spoiler, but, you know, the reality is we have the vision. What is the objective? And then we have the mission. How are we going to do that? A, B, C. And what is the plan to get there? Mm. And people need both the vision and the mission to clearly get behind something. Because I can just say, make it so, number one, right? Right. And uh, or I can say we will be excellent, or we will have we will be world class. What what the <laughs> H E devil hockey sticks does world class mean? I don't know. I've, that statement's always bothered me, but it reminds me of going back to probably some of my earliest pink days, but. 2000, 1999, uh, when I was with Front Range. And back then we were defining our vision, our mission, and then they had another V, which is our values. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it it really does help an organization in some ways uh, move forward. And I keep going back more and more to something you said, I don't know how many podcasts ago, about making sure things are documented because it gives people a frame of reference and it isn't true until it's written down. It's true. And I like the values component, by the way. That's excellent. Yeah. So, you know, I, this is really good because once you can you can document the vision and mission and maybe the values, um, then it helps people move forward because there it is in black and white in front of everyone. And then it becomes living and can be improved. And yeah. This is good. That's step number one. But it's, you know, it's it's not as easy as it sounds sometimes. No, but we try to push it into 30 minutes each week. <laughs> then we talk about step number two, which we kind of already touched on, which is what's our current state, right? Mm. What's our current communication structure? How do we go about communicating? What's the culture like? Who are those stakeholders? What do they believe? And what is the <laughs> what does the delta look like to go from where they believe to where we need them to be? Right. So that's a kind of where are we now statement. And that's a stakeholder analysis or stakeholder mapping exercise. Well, that can be probably an interesting one to do just because, again, the, the human element of, you know, what's in it for me and, and how do I understand my stakeholders if, if they're holding back and that sort of thing. So these two workshops alone, I think, would be uh, valuable outside of even your plan. So then we move on to, okay, we've got a current state. We've got a sense of our stakeholder map. Now, we may not have all the energy to get every single person in our large organization. So from a Pareto analysis, where do we make this, you know, target 
happen? Where do we target the majority of our communication? Mm. So there are, are certain people that we know if we can get on side and get on the, you know, singing off the same choir sheet, they're going to become change agents in their part of the organization. Uh, so we start looking for target groups and and we, we begin to say, okay, how do we in, engage those target groups and what do we need to do to bring them from A to B from the point of view of their current belief to this future state view? We begin articulating the plan by target group, by individual sometimes in the target group, if the individual is that important to our change effort. Hmm. Okay, so that's where we, we go next. I've heard people talk about change agent um, a lot. Um, are, do you actually, when you identify these change agents, and, and do you actually let them know that that is their role and they've been, uh, been identified as someone who can help in this process? Or is it more subtle than that? It depends on the person, right? If they've got a self-inflated <laughs> view of themselves already, I, I wouldn't want to say, hey, I believe you're a change agent. Well, maybe you do. Maybe you need to pander to their, yeah. <laughs> their okay. ego. Okay, I was just making sure, that, you know, my mind, it's all over when you're talking. Well, some people, I guess you would you would be more subtle. Some people you would actually be blatant because that's the most you know impressive way to impact them and right. win friends and influence people. So I think it's more, it is an art more than a science. Uh, but you know what? You might have someone who really is a, a team player and you bring them into confidence and say, listen, this is what we're trying to do and we need your help because we believe you are impactful and effective in your part of the organization. Hmm. Sometimes you just, you know, you're more subtle about your how you use, <laughs> <laughs> use and manipulate people, I suppose. Yes. All right. So once we've got our groups, we've got uh, our goals per target group, we've determined the communication strategy for each group, which might be different because the one size fits all email that you talked about earlier doesn't work. Nope. Uh, not Well, maybe for some minority yeah. it does, but not for the vast majority for sure. And then we got to write this down. What were you saying before about writing it down? Well, no, I just, I keep going back and all the discussions I've been having on all the different platforms lately and people were, you know, pontificating about this. And, pontific and I'm like, just write it down because you need something actually in black and white and it was it was one of the podcasts where we were talking about i don't know if it was slas or 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 what i have to go back now and find out which one it was but you just made this really you know very uh clear point to uh that it gives people a starting point once it's in black and white and and just personally a practitioner we almost need a sound effect for practitioner lessons learned uh i've been starting to do that so whenever i have something that i'm you know, struggling with, instead of just thinking about it, I just write it down. And then once it's written down, it's amazing how real it becomes and how much easier it is to start to change and do something with. Okay, so here's a vision for a template for writing this down. Okay. Let's say we have this grid, okay, this table. Uh, on the left-hand side, we got the target group or individual. Then we decide which type of medium is most effective or can be effective for that group. So, you know, we've got your email you've mentioned. We might put a video together. We might create a website, you know, that, that we believe that somehow if we build it, they will come. Mm. Good luck with that. Mm. Uh, we might have lunch and learns. We might have a hall hands meeting with senior leadership uh, sitting up and, and, and paying attention and saying, this is, we believe, and this is the, vis the vision and mission. You have all these different mediums, right? You might even have a podcast. You could have a podcast. <laughs> you, could, you could send out this podcast, Practitioner Radio. Yes. Absolutely. There's actually a, quite a few episodes you could use in that, uh, in that device. So... You get this whole concept of here's the target group, here are the different mediums, and they could be different columns, right? Lunch and right. learn, the the podcast, the, the all hands meeting. You could say this is when it's going to happen, 
this who is who needs to be invited. This is the uh, the message we want at this um, at event, and we might choose to do this on a frequency basis, so once a month, mm. right? So you're coming up with this plan, group, message, medium, and particulars, and you're you're literally you're filling out this grid to say this is how we're going to create a multimedia communication plan with different message goals, with different target groups, and focusing on the most effective means for communicating. This is starting to sound a lot like a marketing plan. It is a marketing plan. Okay, okay. Absolutely. We're, we're marketing the vision of tomorrow. Now, is it something that we could, I mean, you've you've done a lot of this, Troy. I'm, I'm actually going to just call it on the carpet like I see it. Is this something that we do ourselves, or is it something you've seen organizations work with their actual marketing teams, or how does... Well, you make, you make a great point. Now, not every organization has the luxury of having a communications and marketing team, but if they do exist, why would we not incorporate their skills and talents uh, into the program, right? Right. And uh, sometimes those groups don't exist on the IT side, but sometimes they're on the business side. Yeah, I'm sorry, that's what I'm... I'm yeah, I... <laughs> I bet. Do we go, yeah, to the business and say, hey, can you help us? You guys probably do this a lot. Well, you know, it's the conversation we had before about service providers. IT is not the only service provider in the business ecosystem, hmm. right? Marketing and communications, the group, is a service provider, and that's what they do for a living, and they've got to validate their existence as it, as we all do. So absolutely, we're a customer as, as, as would be any business unit, because... IT is just another business unit within the ecosystem. Which goes back to something I mentioned a few weeks ago, which is internally uh, we created a the first draft of a marketing service catalog for our business. Okay, so you're going kind of through the same motions, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah, because we wanted the different teams to know what resources they had and how they could use us. We haven't really positioned it into a you know, let us help you do marketing in your own teams, but I could see where that'd be, again, I mean, that really helps us I don't know how to say it, but it makes us look more valuable. Well, you have a, you've already thought through all these different mediums. Yeah. Right? When we, you know me, I do. <laughs> when we, well, you're, you're the man of medium, right? <laughs> but let's just say it's not always, it's not always in our core competency within the technology world to communicate. We're not necessarily known as the best communicators. Would you agree? Uh, absolutely. So, you know, it, it takes a lot of head scratching to go through this marketing plan, communication plan development uh, from a program perspective. If we had a marketing person helping uh, develop that plan, hallelujah. If they had a catalog, even more beautiful because you you take a lot you know why make me think this is this is not new it's it's something we you know we can put in a catalog right but the key here and the last piece i'm sure you'll identify with on the marketing side is once we've got this plan and we've began to actually execute on it maybe we've even put it into the project plan as uh, you know as ex- actions named against individuals for ownership and execution uh, we have to measure whether we were effective because we may not have hit the right message, or they may have come away with something totally different. And that can and that can be tough. I mean, to be honest with you, Troy, for someone who's kind of worked on on on, on both sides of the house, someone who's been very deeply entrenched for years in IT, um, and then as the world's moving very fast, what does that really mean anymore? Um, and then now, someone who spends a majority of their time working with communication professionals. Boy, I thought we had trouble defining metrics in IT. You should see how difficult it is to define success in communications. Well, you have qualitative and quantitative. Qualitative is fairly easy. You know, how many people did we touch? Yeah. And how many people did we reach? How many people showed up at the meeting? Yeah. How many people ate the pizza? 
How many pizzas did we have to order? <laughs> the Nielsen ratings for Seinfeld from the 90s, you know, it was very, you know, you could you get those numbers very easily. Yeah. Now, your expression of how many did you hit doesn't really tell you how effective your messaging was, though. Yeah, I know. And that's, the, that's what drives me a little bit nuts. That's the qualitative. And that sometimes you can only get through, you know, sampling, um, doing uh, customer follow-up and using surveys and live follow-up. And we, we do that at Pink Elephant uh, for our own products and events as we... As you probably know. Oh yeah, I, yeah. So I'm a big, I'm a big pink fan, as you probably know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this. Is, so what we're talking about here is a thought through, intentional process for marketing and communication to ensure that people are at least understanding where we're going and how we're getting there. And now we've got to actually figure out how do we actually bring them from understanding to belief. Because understanding and belief, two different things. A, a chasm apart. So we've got the nine-step plan. We'll make sure we'll put that in the show notes for folks so that they can enroll this out. And if you guys do start to try this, or you've tried this in the past, you've got uh, tips or tricks, send them on in. I'm sure we'd, like to, we'd probably like to hear some of those. There is one more thing I'd like to mention. I'm not, I'm not you go yet. I was just letting people know where we were at. <laughs> Good stuff. It's, it's the fastest 30 minutes for everyone else, but for me, it's, it's even faster. I only get 30 minutes with Troy every two weeks. It's not enough. I need full-time Troy therapy. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> sorry, Troy, I didn't mean to make you embarrassed. <laughs> I'm blushing over here. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. It's hard when you're a fan and you get to like, you know, it's like I get to record with Elvis every two weeks. All right, Chris. Um, I want to mention somebody else. All right. Uh, a lady named Billy Lee. Uh, Ooh. B-I-L-L-I Lee. Billy Lee, not Billy Jean, Billy Lee. Billy Lee. Gotcha. Uh, it's someone we had speak at our event uh, a few years back and uh, I'm a big fan of her. She's a, she's a motivational speaker and a writer in fact, uh, I speak on some on culture, as you know, and I always mention aspects of her book. Uh, her book is called uh, 30 Days to a Different Perspective. And that's kind of in the theme of what we're talking about. And she likes to talk about, you know, different ways to win friends and influence people from the least to the most effective. <laughs> and I've picked this up and I've talked to it about it and given her you know, credit all these years. So she talks about the proselytizer the preacher, the guy who stands on that soapbox and says, we should do ITIL because ITIL is best practice. And any mm. self-respecting organization out there who is worth any grain of salt will do ITIL. You know, so mm. you want to shoot the guy because, he, you know, he's drank the Kool-Aid. And you actually can see people go through a kind of this evolution of adoption of the, these, these ITIL concepts, service management concepts. They almost go crazy at first. Yeah, it's... What Steve Chambers talks as the the idle vistas. Yeah, he. I think he's secretly a plant because he's way too obsessed with idle not to actually be part of it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's interesting to follow him. Yes, it is. All right, so that's the first and least. I mean, would you listen to somebody who annoyed you that much? So stop. Never quote chapter and verse to me about idle. Right. You're not going to get anywhere. Right. Uh, then there's threaten. If you're not going to do this, then. Well, basically, you're on the bus or you're under it. Okay, Oof, and I've seen people <laughs> and senior leaders believe that was the way to motivate their people. I mean, there's, yeah. I've actually had a CIO said, you know, what the, the heck with all of this soft stuff and the people stuff. They're just going to do it because I told them to do so, and if they don't, mm. well, they're they're gone. Yeah, but that 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 worked real well in the Middle East this past year. Well, you know, actually, that's a very good point. You might get short term short term compliance, right? But long-term revolt. Yeah, and especially with that way people are hyper-connected today. I just don't think, 
I mean, you can manage any way you want. I just don't think that that, that seems like it'd be less effective than it was 10 yeah. years ago. Threatening may get you immediate action, but it's going to produce resentment. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, the other thing is, you know, back to that hyperconnectedness, so many organizations today, their employees are connected outside of their work network, even after work. So, I mean, we really have to be careful when we're working on educating. Notice I jumped to educating our employees. <laughs> yeah. So threatening is the second uh, it's effective minorly for a short period, but not very effective. Then we get to education. Mm. This is where we're back to education. Mm. So if I give you a different way to think about things and you can internalize this thinking process and adapt it to your value system, then you would start to understand, share values that I share, and we can now productively get something done, right? Right. So Because we're ingraining in that person a different way of thinking. And, and hopefully we can come to an agreement once they share a reference model. Mm. That's education. But then she says the most effective way is the barter system. Okay. Interesting. This, if you could do this, right, this is what you're going to get, right? If, if you understand and, and work this way, then this is the cause and effect of the results that we expect to see. Mm. People always want to understand, you know, the, the WIFM factor, the what's in it for me concept here. Yeah. So, you know, it's I like to think about the educate and barter both being effective. Mm-hmm. But I think you need to not just do the education, you got to do the bartering too. Yeah. And sometimes you need to create, you know, the win, even if it's not there. People need to, in my experience, people need to feel like they're winning. And, you know, it's really important to make them, to give them that option. Because even when someone has the option to win, some people just don't believe they deserve to. So, so we've talked about vision. We've talked about mission. We talked about values. Now, Add to that the WIFM, <laughs> the what's in it for me. Mm. Yeah. So we've got the nine pieces of a campaign process. We've got the four pieces of persuasion. Do you know what we're missing? What are we missing? Choice Thunderbolt tip of the day! Okay. Communication and awareness planning is important. I grant you that. But it's only one component of your people change strategy. Remember, it's one of many building blocks. Amazing. Perfect. Everything's good. Troy, it's been another amazing episode. We made it through 25 of these. That's actually Woo-hoo! 12 and a half hours. Not bad. A practitioner radio is available to folks now. Right? Half an hour, 25? I don't know. Long story short, thank you so much, Troy. And we will see everyone in two weeks. Two weeks. Thanks. Thanks.